Good morning, everybody. Um, we're going to be reading today from the book of Luke, and it's chapter 15, and we're going to be starting at verse 11. And the passage is titled, The Parable of the Lost Son. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered the wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son threw his arms round him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother's come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he asked his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Amen. Good morning to you all. It's really good to be here this morning and to be able to share in God's word with you. Thank you to Amy for leading the uh, part of our service that's, that's been to date and uh, really good to know that so many people are watching and listening this morning. Thank you for those that regularly contribute to Family News. It's good to get articles in, it's good to get pictures in. Um, we're always looking for things that you would like to share with us particularly the things that uh, we would like, in addition to what you've been sending, are things that have supported you and helped you, where God has spoken to you. Maybe a video that you've watched of a talk, uh, maybe something online that's really helped you. So if there are any of those that you feel able to share with us, that would be wonderful to put into the family news. Let's pray together as we uh, open God's word. So Father God, we ask that you would be with us this morning, that you would speak to us this morning. 
Father, would you open our hearts and minds to be receptive to your word. Father, take anything away that's not from you. And we commit this time to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Choices, choices, choices. Life is full of choices. Particularly in our Western world, uh, where we live, we are spoilt for choice. Maybe in this period, some of our choices have been a bit more limited. But just think of the choices that we have. Think about our supermarkets, how packed they are. Think of all the teas and coffees, the different brands that you can get, soup, even bread in the supermarkets. Think about normally the choice of holidays that we get each year. People can go on to many different places. Schools, people have to uh, pick schools to go to nowadays. I think in the past it was usually your nearest school. Nowadays, uh, schools have their open days. You can choose which you think is best. Banks, insurance, we even get advised by a bunch of meerkats on what we can choose. And if we don't like it, we go somewhere else and find something we do like. And the same can often be said of church. Many people will go to church to provide what they want. And if that doesn't suit, well, let's move somewhere else where it does suit. And we're going to think today a bit about choices and making intentional choices as part of our Christian life. In our contact group, we often watch something on DVD or online and then uh, discuss what we've been watching. Recently, we watched an, uh, a fairly up-to-date talk from Louis Giglio, a uh, pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, speaking into the situation of lockdown. And I like the phrase that he used as part of that talk. He talked about turning the page. Not turning the page back to how things were, but turning to the next page to see what God has in store for us when this situation is over. You know, the church won't be the same once this period is over. NCBC won't be the same church. And God has given us this opportunity to think through our relationship with him. For some, a chance to recenter. For others, maybe a chance to think through for the first time what Christianity is, what a relationship with God is all about. And as we turn the page forward, it's our opportunity as individuals and as a church to think about what being Christ's church is all about. How do we come out of this period being the church that he wants us to be? This was one of the things that came out of our recent week of 24-7 prayer. People were hearing from God. It's time to remain focused, to dig in, to take stock and remember who we are in Christ. We must be his church, his way. That's not to belittle all the good that goes on at NCBC. There's so much. But to point us to the so much more that God wants to do in us and through us when we fully give things over to him. 
So how do we know what kind of church God wants? Well, there are some good pointers in our three verses of the year for 2020. Let's have a look at them in turn. And uh, once we've done that, we're going to uh, go back to today's Bible reading from the prodigal son and add, them, uh, add to them some focus to our minds and attitudes. So first of all, we have John 4 verse 24. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. We're called to be worshippers. But what does that entail? Some immediately might think of worship songs or worship leaders, but ultimately worship is so much more than that. The Westminster Shorter Catechism, written way back in 1647, sums it up with a question and an answer. What is the chief end of man? Or in today's language, you might say, what is the purpose of life? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And that word glorify is often linked to the word worship. And linked to that catechism, there's a list of Bible texts to back up that question and that answer. Psalm 86 verse 9. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. Romans 11 verse 36. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. And the very next verse we find takes us into Romans chapter 12, where we find these words. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And to add to that, here's a quote from theologian John MacArthur. Worship is our innermost being responding with praise for all that God is through our attitudes, activities, thoughts and words based on the truth of God as he has revealed himself. Summed up in this phrase, worship is all that we are reacting to all that he is. So when God calls us to worship him in spirit and truth, it's about our whole lives. Yes, when that's the case, it will impact on the way we're able to worship in song and in prayer, but worship is something that impacts every area of our life. We worship in truth based on the word of God, following his commands and guidelines, and we rely on the Holy Spirit to bring that word alive in our current time and situation. Worshipping in spirit and in truth. And God wants us to grow as worshippers, not to stand still. 
For some of us, we've been followers of Jesus maybe for 10, 20, 30 years and more. We shouldn't be the same worshippers as we were at the beginning. Jesus is in the business of changing lives, of changing attitudes towards him. We shouldn't expect our worship to be the same in 10 years time or more. If we allow, God will continue to move us forward in that area of whole life worship. We've already talked about choice. If our life is to be one that worships in spirit and in truth, it has to be intentional on our part, an act of will. We could easily trundle along in life in the knowledge that we made a decision to follow him years ago, but have not taken the step to grow in faith and grow as a worshipper. Maybe an hour on Sunday is the worship time, that time we set aside to keep in touch with God. But through an intentional choice within us, we can offer so much more to him. Are you prepared to step out and offer your whole life as an act of worship? When we have a church full of worshippers, we will be some way to being the church that God wants us to be. Our second verse of the year is John 15 verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. God wants his church to bear fruit. We can read of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, but God also wants to see others impacted by his love and drawn towards him. In verse 1 of that same chapter, it talks about God the Father being the vine dresser, the keeper of the vine. Can you imagine a gardener in a vineyard and what his main priority would be? Day by day, we'd be moving around the vines, trimming here, pruning there, and every act of maintenance will be for one desired effect, that the vines would produce as much fruit as possible. And some of the feedback again from our week of prayer related to this, quoting verses from Jeremiah 17, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes and never fails to bear fruit. The thought linked to that verse in the week of prayer was a sense of inadequacy about bearing fruit, particularly in the current situation. But if we live God's way, he brings gifts into our lives and that same way, the fruit appears in the orchard. So when abiding in Christ, allowing him to wash over our lives, we should expect to bear fruit, as that's what the verse tells us. In fact, it goes even further to say that we cannot bear fruit unless we are abiding in Jesus. We cannot bear fruit apart from him. There's a warning to tell us that the Father takes away branches that are not bearing fruit, an expectation that pruning will take place. We should expect things in our lives to be changed in order that we bear more fruit. 
Abide in Christ, for apart from him we can do nothing. As a church, our human plans and programs, strategies, will not bear fruit unless they are centred on Jesus. So what does it mean to abide in Jesus? Well, there are some good clues further on in the chapter in verses 9, 10 and 11. It talks about receiving God's love. It talks about keeping his commands. And it talks about sharing in the joy of Jesus. Back to the Westminster Catechism, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. When we flow out with God's love, when we keep his commands, when we share in that joy of Jesus, we will see fruit for the kingdom. God wants us to be a church that bears fruit by abiding in him. Which leads nicely to the third verse of the year. And there's a big similarity with uh, verse 12 of John 15, but our verse is in John 13, and two verses, verses 34 to 35. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus talks about a new commandment. Why is it new, you might say? We can go back to the Old Testament to see love your neighbour as yourself. So what's new about this command? Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. We now have the example of Jesus to follow. Earlier in that same chapter, we find Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. Here was the master putting aside any status that he had to serve others. I count you as more significant than me. I'm laying down any entitlement I have to serve you. That's the kind of church that God wants. So Jesus is that pattern for love. And we, never, we know that Jesus never thought of anyone too insignificant to love and support. So how can we respond as a church with that kind of love? Other people that you've never spoken to, that you've shared this building with for many years. Other people with needs that you've not sought to find out about. At least to pray, or maybe to provide some practical help. What about people that come into church that don't seem to fit into your pattern or lifestyle? What about the marginalised? The list could go on, and it will probably mean some sacrifice, some repentance, some building of relationships. But can we take time to think how we can love as Jesus did? It starts with each of us as individuals to build up to the kind of church that God wants. But here's the thing, it's not just the people in the church that this refers to. Jesus spread his love around to all. And it may be that part of the bearing fruit is the love that we show to those who are not yet part of the church, but could be drawn in by that all-embracing love. Verse 35, by this, 
all people will know that you are my disciples. God wants his church to be a loving church, following Jesus' example, putting aside any judgment, preconceived ideas or sense of privilege to serve others. As we close, we're going to take those verses and we're going to look at some parallels with the story we read of the prodigal son. Firstly, we find that the youngest son wanted things his way. He was rejecting the life of his father and wanted to do things his way. I wonder, do we want to do church our way rather than the way of the father? Have we become comfortable with the way things are and have always been? Maybe we want to protect an interest that we have in the part of the church that we're involved in. The younger son didn't want to be part of the family anymore, but rather to go it his own way. Do we feel part of God's family at NCBC, playing a role in loving one another, worshipping in spirit and in truth, and bearing fruit? Or do we choose to stay on the fringes? And what about the older son in the story? He had served his father faithfully, had been obedient, but his attitude toward the restoration of his brother to the generosity of his father was totally distant from one of love. He'd been put out from what he wanted to do. Can we as individuals make the choice to seek God and follow his way of church? As we turn the page into the next season at NCBC, will you choose to Follow the principles of those key verses. It takes an act of will, an intentional act, to say, I choose to worship God with my whole life. I choose to abide in him in order to bear fruit. I choose to love and serve one another. Turning the page from doing church our way into seeking God for his way. Secondly, from that story of the prodigal son, in verse 14, we find that a severe famine arose in the country and he began to be in need. Something happened in society that made people sit up and think about the way forward. Does that ring any bells? Life won't be the same when we move forward from this situation. God has given us this time to take stock, reassess, and move closer to him. One of the items of feedback from the prayer week again was this. This time has been given to us as a wilderness time, where we are forced to stop and really contemplate on God. He's allowed us this time so we're not pulled into temptation, but he can purify us without that baggage pulling us down. And as we look at turning that page forward, can we use this time to come closer to him? Verse 17 and 18 in the passage tells us, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven 
and against you. When he came to his senses, there was an act of repentance. And once again, in the week of prayer, a number of people pointed to the verse that we've looked at before in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. There are probably many ways that we could look at church life and in our own personal lives and ask the question, Lord, is this your way? Have I looked to you and tried to glorify you? I wonder when we hear the story of the prodigal son, do we think of the youngest son as somebody else? Somebody we know that needs to turn away from their lifestyle, who needs prayer to change the situation. But what about me? What about us? It takes some humility to align ourselves as the younger son. Are there elements where we need to come back to God and say, Father, I've sinned against you. Two Chronicles tell us, us that humbling ourselves and turning to him brings about restoration and healing. We've talked a lot about making choices today. It may be that you've never encountered Jesus in some of the ways that we've talked about. Never made that choice to be a follower. Let me point you to some of the choices that, that God makes. Psalm 139 talks about God knowing us, choosing us before we were formed in our mother's womb. The opening of John's Gospel tells us that if we, would, if we choose to receive him, he gives us the right to become children of God. God chooses to adopt us into his family. An amazing rescue plan. God chose to come to earth in the form of a human being, Jesus Christ. That amazing plan that involved him choosing to die in our place to restore our relationship with God the Father. And the picture we have in the story today, the prodigal son, is one to remember. Verse 20, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. That's the picture that encapsulates the father's heart and his choices for us. That's the God who goes out of his way to welcome us into his arms. God chooses to run toward us and throw open his arms. Will you choose to accept the invitation to worship him, to abide in him and to love others as he loved us? We're going to spend a few moments just in quiet reflection and then I'm going to pray a prayer that I hope you feel able to join in it. It will be a prayer of choice, a prayer of the will. And it may be some weeks before we're able to meet together in a setting like this or in person again. But at this stage, we can make that commitment that we will seek to do church God's way.
starting with us as individuals. Over the coming weeks, our speakers will look at some tools that will help us in our relationship with God. Our commitment to each other, to bearing fruit and extending his kingdom. So let's spend a few moments reflecting on our three key verses and what God has spoken to us today about choosing. And then I'll pray and I sincerely pray that you will be able to join me in that prayer. Let's pray together. Lord God, we're sorry. We're sorry when we have chosen to do church our way and not listen to your commands. This morning, we make the intentional choice to look to you and ask for your help with all that you want us to do. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Lord, we make the choice this morning to be worshippers in spirit and in truth. To look to your word, to listen to your spirit as he speaks into our lives and into our church. Lord, we want to bear fruit for your kingdom. Help us to abide in you to share in your love and your joy, and to follow your commands. And Lord, we want to make a conscious effort, a conscious choice to love others as Jesus did. Show us people that we need to speak to, people that we need to support, people that we need to help. Build up our relationships in church, and stir us to restore relationships where they need to be restored. Father, we hand your church at NCBC back to you and say, come fill us now. Take us forward as we turn the page. In Jesus' name. Amen.